Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy and friends are resting this week and will return next week. However, we have a leader from our local church community giving today's message. Today's sermon is given by Pastor Billy Kim, Director of Communications at 180 Church and Chaplain at NYU. So as we're more than six months into this pandemic, no one except Bill Gates would have imagined that we would be in the situation that we're here today. In fact, at the end of 2019, I know many of us had high hopes for 2020. You know, we believe that this would be a fresh start to a new decade where we had the potential to do great things. And for some, we were hoping that it would be a return to some sort of resemblance to the 1920s. And if you don't know what the 1920s were like, they were known and called the Roaring Twenties, known for its economic growth and prosperity. It was a time of jazz. It was a time of a rising stock market where the average American could afford luxuries. And at that time, it was buying a car. And so many of us were hoping that it would be a return to that where we would see economic growth, prosperity, and blessing. In fact, I know even some spiritual leaders that were fasting and praying and calling for people for that kind of blessing and a spiritual revival to happen in this country. But of course, in the beginning of the, this year, we didn't experience prosperity, but a pandemic. We didn't experience blessing, but suffering. And as a result, many of us, if not all of us, experienced loss. For some of us, it was a loss of a loved one. And for many others, it was unemployment. It was sickness. It was isolation. In fact, as many of us found ourselves in isolation and quarantine, it came to the cost of our mental health. In fact, I read a report on the CDC that said that 25% of Gen Z and millennials contemplated suicide. 25%. Meaning 25% of our young adult population are in so much pain right now. And I saw that within our college students in the first three months of the pandemic, where they had to go through so much transition and grief. They had to go from physical learning to remote learning. And in the process of remote learning, finding an email from NYU saying that they had to leave their dorms and find another place to live in two weeks. And in the process of finding a place in two weeks, they realized that they would have to quarantine no matter where they find themselves in to figure out what their plans or future are going to hold. That's a lot of transition and a lot of pain that you have to go through in just three months. And this doesn't include the graduating class. Whether you're in high school, college, or graduate school, where you didn't get a proper ceremony to have closure and move on to the next chapter. But it's not just our students, but even in our society at large where there's so much suffering and grief that's going on. We see that in the continual rise of social injustice, where it even has escalated to further riots and violence that's happening. You see that in Portland right now, where it has even created a greater divide and hatred and polarity in both sides 
that's creating a cycle of suffering and pain. And it just goes to show that our world is just deeply suffering right now because everyone is in grief. And that's what I want to talk to you guys today about. I want to talk about grief because our world, our society, and even our church doesn't do it well. In fact, especially in our society, we prefer to cope than rather to deal with it, right? That's why we have Netflix. That's why we binge eat. That's why even um, for many of us, there's a lot of prescription drugs or non-prescription drugs that we take rather than deal with the heart of the issue. And the problem is, is that if we don't grieve properly, we actually remain stuck, remain in the past, and we can't really be in the present. As a result, when it comes to our world, we become reactive than, respond, uh, than responsive. And I'm sure all of us have felt that way during this pandemic one way or another. I know my roommates have pointed that out to me. They said during this pandemic, I became reactive and I acted more like my oldest brother. And if you never met my mother, oldest brother before, he's loud, he's irritable, and he's aggressive. And I guess in this pandemic, I found myself reacting in those ways as well. And so I think it's important that we come to address the grief and the loss. Because as I said last week, there are a lot of changes that are happening. There's a new norm that, that has existed. And it can be an opportunity where we can actually find a new way to grow and flourish. But we can't do that if we remain, if we remain in grief and we're stuck in the past. And so that's what I want to address today. And that's what I want to answer. How do we grieve to grow? And so we're going to go into the scriptures. And we're going to go into the book of Acts again. And we're going to find out how. So let's read the book of Acts. And I'll see you in a few. Hey guys, happy Sunday. Today's scripture is going to be from the book of Acts. We'll be reading select passages from chapter 6 through 8. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given through angels but have not obeyed it. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragging him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. 
On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there is great joy in that city. That is the word of the Lord. Amen. So the question we asked from the very beginning was, how do we grieve to grow? And the first lesson we learn is this. We need to develop a theology of suffering. And we see that actually in Acts 6, verse 8, through the life of Stephen. And it says this, Now Stephen, a man full of grace and power, performed a great wonders and sign among the people. Opposition arose, however, from the members of the synagogues of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Sicilia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. Now, for those of us who have been following this series, we know this type of persecution and opposition. We've seen it before. We've seen that happen with Peter and John in Acts 4. And we saw it again with the other apostles in Acts 5. And every time it would appear that when the early church experienced opposition and persecution, God would rescue them. You know, it seemed like whenever they were in a bad situation, it would turn into their favor where there would be greater faith, increased number, and greater momentum. And now we see this kind of persecution happening with Stephen. And so what we see is Stephen speaking boldly, just like how Peter did. And he's speaking truth and he's speaking with conviction and you would assume based on the other previous moments that it would result in the same thing where there would be power and redemption and a great momentum that would actually work in their favor but instead something unexpected happened something different happened and we see that in verse Seven, I mean Acts 7 verse 54 where it says when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him at this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices they all rushed at him dragged, his, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him meanwhile the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man, young man named Saul while they were stoning him Stephen's prayed Lord Jesus receive my spirit then he fell on his knees and cried out Lord do not hold the sin against them when he had said this he fell asleep you know the word asleep is a kind word in other words Stephen died he was the first martyr he, it was the first death of the early church and so how do you feel when you have all these plans expectations and it ends up crashing down. I'm sure many of us experience that 
in COVID where we had so many plans and expectations only to see that it crumble before our feet. And you know, that's exactly what the early church felt. Their death was devastating. It was painful. It was something that they did not expect at all. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. In other words, the early church didn't hide it. They didn't hide their loss. They didn't suppress their feeling, but they expressed it. They cried loudly for it. Because the early church understood the nuance between the theology of power and the theology of pain. They understood that God works in miracles and, and authority, but also they understood that the world is imperfect because evil exists and sin exists. You know, that's why they actually have a book called Lamentations. It's all about grief. Because they know that although God is good, that it doesn't exempt them from suffering. And learning how to grieve is a way to navigate and process through it. Okay, for example, uh, last week my brother's dog passed away. And if you never met my brother's dog before, she was a French bulldog. She was 13 years old. And if you ever met her, she acted like a puppy, like she would wiggle her butt, always wanting to be pet. And when I heard of this death, it was a little bit more devastating because I ended up dog sitting. So I was taking care of her in her last days. And so I grew a greater attachment. But to tell you the truth, when I first heard of the news and I told people and they asked me if I was okay, uh, I kind of rationalized it. And I kind of brushed it off. I, you know, I said, yeah, I'm fine. Um, she was an old dog anyway. You know, she lived a long time. And I totally dismissed and overlooked the question. And it wasn't until I told Singh, who helped me take care of the dog, that everything changed. Because when I told her that Gigi passed away, immediately her eyes welled up. And then she started crying. And then she started weeping. And then when I saw her weeping, I started crying. And it was there that I realized how much I was in pain and in grief of the loss of Gigi. It was more than I realized. And I share this because as we are still in this pandemic, much of us have lost a lot. And in this process of loss, I don't think many of us have took the time to grieve and acknowledge the things that we missed, the things that have changed, the things that were broken. And I want to use this time this, and this opportunity for you to acknowledge it, to identify it, to speak forth to it. Because the truth is, if we don't, and I, I believe that many of us are, many of us are reactive. And many of us are reacting and it's hurting ourselves, the people around us, and what God might actually have in store for us. And so I want to give you guys permission today and even perhaps this week and the coming weeks. And I want to challenge you guys to not run away from it, but take some time to reflect, journal, and process because it's good for you and it's good for me. And I just want to let you know 
that we as a community are here with you and we are here supporting you in any way we can to help you grieve your losses and to move forward. And that also means, and this is a plug for mental health also, where I want to encourage you guys, if you are still in therapy and, and in a counselor, to not stop. Keep going. Keep moving forward. Keep pressing in. And for those that have stopped, I would encourage you to actually explore again. And for those that are looking, uh, there, we have resources and we have uh, a list of people that can actually help you and perhaps even find insurance that could uh, that, that, are, that are there for that could actually work for your insurance to get to the help you need. And so I want to encourage you once again to contemplate on what you guys might have lost to grieve well so that we can move forward. In the very beginning, we asked the question, how do we process grief to grow? And this is the second lesson. The second lesson is to recognize that suffering can produce empathy to heal others. And we see that in Acts 8 verse 1 where it says, On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached the Messiah there. Here you see that the death of Stephen didn't diminish the early church's faith. It fueled it. And you see that in the life of Philip, where when he heard the news of the death of his dear brother in Christ, Stephen, it actually pushed him to go to Samaria. And it's interesting out of all places, Philip goes to Samaria because Samaria is known to be a people group that are half Jewish. And as a result, there was much racism and bias against them. So for Philip, who is a Greek Jew, he was the perfect candidate to speak to the Samaritans because he, as a Greek Jew, understood bias and persecution. And so he was able to communicate, relate, and identify, and speak forward the good news, to this, good news of the gospel to the Samaritans. And you look and see what happens. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. So why does God allow suffering? Why does he permit pain to happen and for us to go through it? Well, it's because when we encounter suffering, when we go through it and overcome it, we can actually empathize and help heal those who are in the midst of it. In fact, in my life, I've seen that the people that have gone through the most pain and the most suffering are the people that have the greatest empathy, the greatest compassion, and are driven with deeper meaning and purpose in their life. For example, um, I read an article recently um, regarding about grief, and it was an interview with Dr. David Kessler. 
and he is one of the disciples of Dr. Kupler-Ross, who famously created the five stages of grief. And if you don't know what that is, it is a process in which we start um, the process so we end up in a place of acceptance where we are okay with the losses that we have so we could actually be present and respond to it. But Kessler suggested that there is actually another stage after acceptance, which is called meaning. In other words, what he was saying is that although acceptance helps us remain in the present, the stage of meaning is really about helping us process and identify the pain that we have experienced and using it to something that's positive. In other words, it's about using what is uh, painful to us to crystallize an actual purpose in our lives to move forward to the future. That gives us hope and real meaning. And when I read this, I, I couldn't help but seeing that that's exactly what the life of Jesus is really all about. That if you look at the life of Jesus, you see that his path was marked of pain, suffering, and even to death and death on the cross. And you see that Jesus, even in his life, whom we, whom we follow, wasn't a, a, a journey of constant comfort and luxury, but it was the path that is harder to follow. And you know, you ask, why does he choose to walk in death? Why does he cho choose the cross and suffering? It's because he had a clarity of his purpose. And that purpose and that good news is so that he could redeem you and me of all the brokenness and the pain that we feel and all the sin that we feel. It was in the midst of our suffering that we see in, the, in this world and the death that we fear that we see Jesus walk and endure and overcome and identify and empathize as he walks through that on the cross. You know, Hebrews talks about this. He talks about a high priest that, we, that, that, that empathizes with us because he has gone through every temptation but without sin. And you see that. That, and that, that makes us want to actually follow God and know God because in this faith, we see even our founder dealing with that. And we see that he has overcome it by his resurrection, knowing that death is not the end, but life. And so the reason why I say that is that I pray that it would actually encourage you to actually grieve and walk and bring clarity to actually your life and mine. Because if this pandemic, what it shows more than anything else, that what we need and what's most important is, is with people and with relationships, right? What it shows is that it's not our luxuries, it's not materialism, because clearly that shows that even though of, of whether we've gained or lost during this time, it doesn't make us happy. It makes it even worse and it makes us even more um, empty of what we're feeling. No, what we're really seeing more than anything else is the importance of relationships. Being in quarantine and isolation helps us realize that relationships with our family, our friends actually matter. And so my challenge to you guys and my encouragement is to guys is to come to a place where we, we can learn to grieve, learn to be healed so we could actually heal others. Because more than anything else, what our world needs and our church needs to be is to be more people of, in this world that 
exemplifies empathy, care, of course, truth, and love for one another, and to be people of healers in this broken world. And so my, I want to invite you to that. I want to encourage you to journey to that and see what that unfolds in our community and in your lives in the weeks to follow. Will you pray with me? now pray, bow your heads for the benediction. Be still and know I am God. Be still and know I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. God bless you. Until next time, can't wait to see you next week. Bye-bye now. My name is Minyoung. I'm a member here at 188 Church, and we're so glad that you were able to attend today's service with us. 
Um, there are a few community news that I'd like to share with you all. The first announcement is about our tithes and offering. We want to remind all of our members here at 180 Church to keep God in the center of your life, which includes your finances. You guys can do so through the online payment method shown on the screen. You can give through Venmo at Church 180, Zelle and Chase QuickPay at offering at 180church.tv, or if PayPal is your preferred method of giving, you can head over to our website at 180church.tv where there is a link to donate through PayPal. If you're a visitor joining us today, welcome. If you feel blessed by their service and you feel led to give, you can do so in the payment methods that I mentioned before. Our next announcement is about our prayer text hotline at 180 Church, which is available on text at 5397prayer and also via email at prayer at 180church.tv. This is a resource for everybody and especially during this difficult time where we need some prayer and support, there is a prayer team that's ready to help you and to pray for all the requests that you may have. Um, if your prayers have been answered, you can also share them on the text hotline and we can celebrate the good news together. Next up is about small groups at 180 Church. These are smaller pockets of our community that meet on a weekly basis where we can dive a little bit deeper into the word and share how the message from that Sunday uh, spoke to us. We have a few different groups that are all meeting virtually now. And if you're not currently connected with the group, you can reach out to Pastor Billy at the email shown on the screen and he can get you plugged in into a group for you. On the topic of community, we also have a number of different social media handles and channels where you can follow us, like us, and love us during the week. We have a Tumblr page at 180BRG where we post a chapter of the Bible a day so you can read through the Bible with us. We also have a Facebook page at 180 Church. Dr. Sammy, our head pastor here at 180 Church, has a Twitter handle at Dr. Sammy Kim. We also have a YouTube channel at 180 Church NYC, where I'm sure most of you guys are watching us right now. And we also have two different Instagram pages at 180 Church and also at 180 BRG, where there are really encouraging posts and verses that get shared there. So I hope you guys will follow us there and be encouraged. We also have the 180 Church podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends, where you can tune into a conversation and a dialogue that goes into goes into the word a little bit deeper with Pastor Lydia and Joe Wu, who is a member of our community here. It's always a great time just listening to them um, converse about how the message has spoke to them and has impacted them, and you can see how it can do the same for you. We also have a virtual 180 Cafe on the Discord app where you guys can come hang out at any time in different groups on different channels and it's an easy way to stay connected with the community and also check in with one another. In addition to this, uh, we, have, we have a new addition which is our SoundCloud and it's a worship playlist of all the things that Pastor Lydia has played throughout this pandemic. So if you've been blessed by any song throughout this time, you'll see it there. Use it as a way to connect with God, to remember that God is with you, and to be blessed by Him and to bless others through this situation that's going on. And last but not least, if you'd like to learn more about our church and want to sign up for our weekly emails, you can come visit us at 180church.tv. That's it for all of our announcements. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you all next week. Bye!